Welcome to Leading with Curiosity. Command and control leadership is dead. We interview leaders, entrepreneurs, and executive coaches challenging old paradigms and fostering cutting-edge leadership. Here's your host, certified executive coach, Nate Leslie. Hey, curious listeners, thanks for listening to this episode. My conversation today is with a very bright and experienced leadership coach, Jennifer Chapman out of Indianapolis, Indiana. She studied at Georgetown as a member of the uh, International Coach Federation. And this conversation today took a little turn about five or six minutes in, and we just stayed down uh, that path around group coaching, how to actually engage a group of leaders in this coaching process. Uh, Could be internal from the same one organization or independent uh, organizations. I think it was a really... Uh, great insight for people to wonder like what is an entry point into this what could I do with members of my team after they've done a training program to really keep the learning going at a cost-effective way Uh, we also explored the work that she does uh, with an audience uh, that is in the science technology engineering finance industries where coaching can have a huge impact breaking down some barriers and stereotypes of the communication and, and, and leadership styles in those industries. It was a pleasure. Uh, there's a chance to connect with her and get some free tools at the end of it to get the most out of your learning resources. If you're like me, you're always into something, listening, learning. If you're listening to this right now, you're, you're one of us. Uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Here is Jennifer Chapman. Jennifer Chapman, welcome to Leading with Curiosity. Hey, thank you. It's great to be here. I know this is going to be a great conversation about the impact coaching can have on a leader's effectiveness. We're going to explore what coaching is, what it isn't, the types of clients that you tend to work with, some of the work that you've done in the past. It's okay with you. Let's just jump right in. Like, What is your take as as an ICF, International Coach Federation member? as a coach, the impact that coaching can have on a leader's effectiveness? When I think about my clients and what they tend to appreciate the most is even just having the time to step back from the day-to-day and the crazy to think more strategically, more big picture, and to have a sounding board who has no skin in the game of you know just somebody to help him weed through and think about different things on their mind, how important they are, if something needs to be done about it. And also I'm a great accountability partner for my coaches because I like to have homework assignments or action items or whatever you want to call them. And being able to work with somebody on an ongoing basis is uh, it's a great way to help hold somebody accountable to goals. And in my background, I actually started out doing training for years and I, I saw people get little pieces here and there that maybe had some impact. Mm. But then when I saw a leadership program that had coaches with it and how the coaches worked with these leadership participants over a period of time, at the end, when we did evaluations, by far, that was the most valuable resource they identified because it helped them actually implement the things that they were learning in the training. And that's when I became a believer and switched my career path to being a 
coach. Uh, and now that I, that's all I do. Is the one-on-one, right? Yeah. Yes. Gosh, that resonates with me that it was my certification as a coach that accelerated my business from leadership development facilitation to like this whole, the whole other way of showing up in those moments from a deliverer of information as engaging as I tried to make them, but to really build in that space for people to listen, help them coach each other through the challenges in the day. Uh, uh, so so my, my facilitation is far more engaging and meaningful now. It propelled you even beyond that to, to focus entirely in the one-on-one. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, and I do mostly one-on-one. I do have a few groups that I work with also not teams. So there's team coaching where a coach will work with a leader and the direct reports about mm-hmm. different challenges and issues um, that they're facing. And then there's group coaching where you have a bunch of similar individuals who don't necessarily work together, but it within a company, they all have, there's something in common that they mm-hmm. have. And so then the idea about the group coaching is it can be a really cost-effective way to help uh, like four or five leaders on the same general issues that you see show up, like how to hold people accountable, how to delegate more effectively, how to have the kind of leadership presence that you want to have. So I, I've enjoyed doing uh, the group coaching as well. It's maybe a great entry point, not only cost-effective, but just as an exploration for this whole coaching thing. Yeah, just just tell us a little bit more about uh, an example, respecting their confidentiality, of course, but uh, just just a little more on that. I think uh, well, that's something I haven't talked too much with other guests about, so the listeners might be uh, would really benefit from hearing more about group coaching. Yes, so I'm working with an organization right now that has been implementing a leadership development program for at least a few years, and they, while they saw, had some good feedback about the training, they noticed. They weren't getting the observable results that they were hoping to get. And they, when they got in touch with me, I helped them see how coaching could further drive these principles that they were learning in class. And, and one of the main things that they're learning in their training is how to have tough conversations Mm -hmm. and how to recognize avoidance in yourself, avoidance in others, and then how you can move past that initial avoidance to have these conversations to try to get people on the same page. And then what do you do when you encounter resistance from them? And some of the things that I've been working with the group on that you can't do in a training class is I've helped my group members identify what are the real situations that they're facing right now where they've been holding back on having a conversation or maybe they've been trying to communicate but it's just not working now they have a safe place to come and talk and you know am i crazy or oh look these other people are having the same situation um today was funny because two of my group members realizing realized that their difficult person uh was actually the same person (laughs) Right. And but, but but then that was awesome because then they like knew the person involved and could give even better, you know, guidance. And and that's what one thing that's great about the group is it, there's a lot of synergy there yeah. in a way that I as this 
outside observer might not have, but my job is just to facilitate all of it and leverage what I can offer as an outside observer and then help the group who that knows more of the intricacies of the organization and even the people um, figure out what to do. And I am super proud of this group because just in the short time we've been meeting, I think today was session three, they're already reporting, hey, I am recognizing th these are the ways I'm avoiding tough conversations, or I'm finally starting to understand why so-and-so has not been wanting to talk with me, or mm -hmm. um, I tried reaching out and we had a successful first conversation. And, and you know, just to hear that they're putting themselves out of their comfort zone and trying something new has been incredibly rewarding. Yeah, that is great. And and for our listeners, a sense of in, in that small group, four, four or five of them and you, where do you feel the voices are traveling? Are they coming to you and then to, back to the group? Do you, do you find yourself stepping back and watching it, a group discussion happen, and then you keep it on track? Like, what, what could you share about the actual communication that happens in those sessions? That's a really great converse or question. So I would say at the beginning, when you're just forming these relationships, people tend to talk to me because they're looking to me as an expert. Mm -hmm. And I, I do do some just-in-time coaching. In fact, each time we've had a group session, we review commitments that were made at the previous session and in and in doing that that's where we get so much rich conversation mm. because they uh, are reporting out on yeah i had a conversation with so and so and like i said you know oh wait i'm having an issue with that person too oh good you know then they know that it's not just that that person doesn't like me this seems like a part of this person's personality mm -hmm. and it's gonna be a tougher nut to crack, so to speak. And then when, when they recognized they had something in common, then I turned the conversation more to be between the two of them. All right, how can you guys leverage what you're each experiencing and what you're each trying to hopefully help the other get further ahead in accomplishing what they're hoping to accomplish? Yeah. And then there are other times where it's more me talking to somebody it, it really just depends on the situation, which again is another thing I love about coaching because it's so flexible and I'm never going to coach two groups the same way. And I actually even, I have an agenda that I use for this particular group. And while the agenda has been the same every time where we've spent most of our time has changed mm. um, with each session. Yeah. So it's great to, to just have that that flexibility. I, I just drew three boxes on my pages as you were talking and I pictured this group, they're coming out of a, a formal training program, which has tons of value. And if they do nothing with that, it loses its value. They're able to take those learnings into this environment with you, work through some things, create some action plans, create some awareness, realize maybe they're not crazy, right? As, as many think they are when it comes to difficult conversations, but then the work that's done in between the times that you're with them. And then it kind of loops back to step two of, of, of review and, and continue. So there's a lot of power in really for a company, the ROI on that initial training is boosted and magnified maybe exponentially by the impact that this 
really customized work where it's about taking the theory and adding a, like the real issues and challenges and aspirations that they have in their roles. Am I cap cap capturing that well? Absolutely. And then the, the cherry on top is at, when I conclude the group coaching engagement, I take the last couple of sessions and I teach the group a peer coaching framework that's very structured mm. to keep it from becoming, for the lack of a better word, a, a bitching session. And it just keeps people very structured. And um, there's actually I like set a timer, timing allocations to it. And then it, after I help the group learn how to do it with, with, with me there to guide, then I'm, I'm done and they can continue this peer group indefinitely for no co extra costs right. to the company. Right. So my goal as a coach is I don't want my clients or companies to be dependent on me forever. That's absolutely impractical. I know I've done a good job when I'm able to conclude an engagement and that person knows what they need to do to keep moving forward. Or when I've helped a group learn how to operate and function in a very healthy forward thinking way so they can help solve each other's problems. You know, creating independence of the coach, not dependence on the coach. And, and um, yeah, we were talking about, about uh, some of those lines in, in our, in our, in our pre-interview and you just said it there. So it just doesn't become a bitch session. So that peer coaching framework, helping people decide what kind of conversation they're about to have and putting some parameters around it. Amazing, right? Like not rocket science once they've done it, but human nature, we tend to turn it into just, just another conversation, so to speak, or, or a bit session, when just a little bit of framework can unlock so much potential. Exactly. So the, the framework starts with uh, the, the person who's coming to the group with an issue just has a few minutes to describe the scenario. And this part is key to have the timer because there are some people who will take 20 minutes to explain the situation when in reality, if you give a five minute version or less, you can usually distill a 20 minute dump into yeah. a, here are the salient points that you yeah. need to know to be able to understand the situation I'm in. And then the next part is the group asking questions. And these questions can be a mix of them continuing to gather some data so they know better how to help. But even more important, that when they can ask powerful questions that lead the person to self-awareness mm. um, is great. And, and I st stay away from yes or no questions or have you ever thought about doing X? Cause that's just giving <laughs> advice. Mm -hmm. And, and what, what we all know from ourselves and every coach knows this is when you just give advice to somebody, that other person has no stake in the game with yeah. that. There's no ownership of it and it may or may not help. But when you can lead a person to discover what they can do to solve their issue, then, then they own it. Then they're excited about it and they're much more likely to implement it. So, so they have that question period. And then after the questions, we do what's called a duct tape, <laughs> a duct tape mm -hmm. period of time. And that's when you pretend that the person who has the issue has a piece of duct tape over their mouth. 
and you have a certain allotted piece of period of time where people in the group then can share well this is some in my experience this is something that i encountered and here's how i handled it they can also offer some suggestions uh, that have worked well they can ask additional powerful questions and the person who has the quote duct tape mm -hmm. on their mouth mm -hmm. uh, can just write down the powerful questions to journal about later or talk mm -hmm. about with a friend. And then the last few minutes, the person can quote, take the duct tape off their mouth and then it's their time to, uh, what's the word I want? They summarize mm -hmm. the things that they internalized, especially during that duct tape period. And then they make a commitment of you know after out of all the things that i heard and what i've been thinking this is what i'm going to commit to before our next session and so it keeps it just really action focused and and like i said i, I we all have this tendency when we're stuck in a problem you know we just want to talk about the problem because it's harder to think solution it's harder to hold ourselves accountable to change and and so i like the design of this framework a lot because it's all about minimizing the background of it and okay we're going to acknowledge it and what are we going to do about it to move forward i'm just bubbling uh with excitement about our profession right now jennifer because i'm sitting here thinking you're in uh indian indianapolis yep i'm in vancouver you've just described something with your own slant on it that I have the privilege to teach in a leadership development course, the same liberating structure, this, this peer coaching framework. We call it something slightly different called the wise counsel. Uh, we don't imagine the duct tape. The person literally turns their chair and has to put their back to us so that they oh. can't speak. And they're just, they're just listening. I love but that. Here we are having met today, <laughs> right? <laughs> Sharing a tool, a structure, that can liberate conversations and help unlock people and uh and and it's and it's just only slightly different with very similar results i kept predicting i think she's going here with this i think and it's like okay here we are here we are doing the same kind of thing so um i just love that about doing this podcast to be honest because every conversation i have i learn something new and it builds a foundation on what maybe I already perceive to be true or believe in. And it's just this incremental movement forward of my own practice. And there's someone listening who thinks I could do that for my colleagues. Mm -hmm. I could put imaginary duct tape on the person who hijacks every meeting and just talks the whole time. <laughs> I could put imaginary duct tape on the person who would actually benefit from not needing to have the answer immediately, but just to be able to go internal on what some very other very smart people in the room their peers and colleagues have to say about a topic in a way that human nature sometimes we just derail conversations when a, a structured conversation is exactly what's needed so that was fun for me watching that witnessing that happen and oh good yeah. and uh, one one thing i love also about that framework is you can use it anywhere yeah. you might volunteer a, a not-for-profit or with your church community and it works there and 
um, one thought I had while you were just talking is what a powerful tool this could be for families mm -hmm. that it, to, especially now I feel like more than ever we really need to be teaching these younger generations how to prob problem solve themselves and be more independent. And I was just thinking as a mom and stepmom of five children to be able to teach my kids to help each other solve problems within that framework could be amazing. Mm. So now I'm all excited to try it at home. Oh gosh. Yeah. It, it, it just, it, it goes far beyond the workplace because it's the same human that goes to work. Right. And yeah, so yeah. much of this coaching stuff has shifted the way we parent and the conversations we have. Right. Absolutely. You know, one thing that's coming to mind to maybe segue here is that somebody is listening, thinking, oh, we don't have time to do that. You, in the first line of your one pager, when I, when I first heard about you and wanted to get you on this podcast is Jennifer Chapman used to be a workaholic. Uh, so, you know, I think one, the value of not doing that and stepping back and prioritizing like how we spend our, our time during the day as leaders. I'm going to stop there. And then I'll ask my other question about the people that you find yourself often working with. So yeah, where does this all fit in someone's busy day? The one, what I found with myself is if I listen to all the chatter around me and try to meet the expectations of everybody, then I will absolutely feel overwhelmed. And there's only so long that you can function as super woman or whatever kind of superhero you mm -hmm. want to be mm -hmm. before you experience burnout. And it, it happens to everybody. And those of you who are like, well, it's not going to happen to me. Well, talk to me again in five years and let's see, because it, it it's just not a sustainable way to live. And when I started working with a coach to help get a handle on my feelings of overwhelm, one thing that I did was to really be mindful about why I was doing things mm. and that, and also acknowledging that sometimes what my company identified as a priority might not line up with my priorities and I could make choices about what I did. And one, one quick story is I actually started my coaching program at Georgetown University while I was working full-time for a Fortune 500 consulting firm. And with the responsibilities that I had at the consulting firm, I was working easily 65, 70 hour weeks, just normal. And in hindsight, I was crazy to do this program on top of it. And the program included being in in-person classes for three days out of each month for several months. And when, and when I say in class, I don't just mean like I show up, get talked to <laughs> and, <laughs> and then go home. Like you're, mm -hmm. you're coaching each other on your own issues and, you know, listening so attentively. And then often in the evening, there'd be some kind of a happy hour or this or that. And it was just like, I'm an extrovert and I'd go home exhausted after each day. And we'd sometimes would even have like papers to write up before the next day. It was just all immersive. Mm -hmm. Well, I, the day before I was supposed to go into a three-day class, I got asked to lead a proposal at, um, for my work. Mm -hmm. And there's just no way, there was no way I was going to be available to do any kind of justice. 
And I really felt guilty about it. And I said, you know what? I know somebody that I think with some mentoring behind the scenes would do a great job. And I, and that's what ended up happening and everything turned out fine. And then I got my performance review a few months later. And in my performance review, I was actually dinged for having said no. I, it was written in there Mm -hmm. that I had, you know, that I had not put, you know, the company's work first or, or something to that effect. And, and, and I was so mad. I was so mad because I'm like, I have given everything to this company for how long? And I say no once and seriously people. And, um, oh, it really, (laughs) (laughs) but then after I calmed down, I started thinking about it and I'm like, if I had to do it over again, would I have made a different choice? And the only way I could have done it differently was literally to have dropped out of my coaching program, or maybe, maybe they would have let me defer it. I don't know. And I wasn't willing to do that. And for me, my primary goal was I want to learn how to coach. And I, once I made that clear in my head, I couldn't care less now that Mm. that performance appraisal Mm. said that I didn't put, you know, the, the company stuff first, because that was my intention. And it's not like, and I'm going to say this all with caution. If Mm -hmm. you are, if there's someone listening, who's a slacker, who's always trying to get out of work, I I am not supporting that. But but to all of you out there who are over functioners, when you, you can't say yes to everything, So be very careful about what are you going to say yes to and is it helping your company and is it helping you and where you want to go in your career or is it helping the kind of family life that you want to be having and it's okay to make some people disappointed and and you can disappoint people without having to worry about losing your job and and you know so many times we're so black and white oh if I say no I'm out on the street. Well, guess what? Right now we're in the great resignation. Nobody's going to be getting rid of a good employee. So don't even worry (laughs) about that. And and I often wonder if I had learned that sooner in my career, how might my whole work experience have been different? Yeah. Most workaholics, many, believe they're adding value. And leaders adding value by fixing, 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 doing, doing, doing. And then there's some irony there. I don't know if irony is the right word, but the thing that was in the way was literally a, a world-renowned coaching program that was going to help leaders amplify and scale their own effectiveness. So I think that that likely needed to happen. And for you to be able to let go of it, I think I'm hearing it was a, it was your personal values being placed at the top allowed you to let go of the performance review comment. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I lied, never thought of the irony there, but you're absolutely right. And, and I, and I think what coaching can do just like you did for me is to give those aha moments and, mm-hmm. and helping us look back at experiences we've had and really get all the value that we can mm-hmm. for that. And then, not only can I apply it in my life going forward, but it then gives me so much empathy for a lot of what my own clients are going through. Mm, that's right. You know, there's a group of people out there uh, saying, oh, but this, this coaching thing, I, I'm just, you know, I, I'm a doer and I'm a, I'm a certain type of personality. 
uh, this might not be the right fit. It just so happens that Jennifer Chapman also focuses on her coaching with this group of people uh, who, uh, <laughs> for whom this might be new. Uh, what would you like to share about where I'm, I'm leading you with that, if, if, that's a, if that's a safe play? Yes. Yes. So we get so stuck in uh, I, the that task mode and I've got to get stuff done that I don't have time for the coaching. And, and guess what? If you make time for the coaching and you make it a priority, then you will notice. I, I would say within three or four sessions, if you are putting everything you've got into coaching, you're coming vulnerable and open to what could I be doing differently and can be open to new perspectives, then you will learn how to prioritize more effectively. You learn how to delegate and trust other people. And I know you're saying, oh, I can't delegate. I have nobody to, I can rely on. And that, if you just thought that in your head, you need a coach, <laughs> you need one now. <laughs> uh, because I'm coming back to the, so who's gonna do everything like forever, you? No, and you know what, are you never gonna retire? Or as parents, are you are your children never going to leave the house? Mm. You know, that like there has to be delegation. There has to be training and mentoring other people to take on more responsibility. Mm. And mm -hmm. and when you get stuck in that, it all has to be me mode. You're not only impacting your own health and your own career, but you're actually stopping people from progressing and moving up in theirs. Yeah, one of our obligations as a leader is to grow future leaders. And so if we're, if the buck stops with us all the time, we're actually holding, holding others back. That's a liberating idea. And you spend a lot of your time in the science, technology, engineering space, right? Um, I do. Yeah. Just tell us, just go one step further on that, that how that uh, lives in, in that world of, of, high amount of detail, right? And structure in, in, in engineering spaces. Yes. And, yeah. And just very intelligent people who tend to be very direct. And it's funny because I specialized in this STEM industry first and then met and married my husband after. Um, he's a mechanical engineer. And it's so fun. To, I use stories from him all the time. <laughs> but he'll be like, hey, well, I'm direct and that's just how I am. Take it or leave it. But then he'll come home from work frustrated because he gave feedback at a meeting in his direct take me as I am or not at all way. And guess what? They don't take it at all. And then he's like, well, gosh, I have these ideas. And why doesn't anybody listening to me? It's because you've got to finesse the messages. You've got to study how to get buy-in and use those techniques because uh, you know so you could be brilliant you are brilliant but nobody else is going to care about how smart you are until you can demonstrate that those other people matter too yeah. and I, I so I love just helping that you know really high powered smart group of people pause and ask hmm is there a way that I could be more effective mm. and could it mean having to focus on the people side of work when I'd rather just focus on getting the tasks done. Yeah. Yeah. Leadership would be easy if we led robots, eh? Even if yeah. you're making, <laughs> even if you're making robots, 
<laughs> yes. but we're leading people and it 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 challenges uh an old saying from a famous book of you know treat people the way you'd like to be treated but as a leader we need to consider treating people the way they'd like to be treated yeah and beginning with the end in mind how do they how do you want them to i love these these coaching space questions how do you want those people to feel at the end of that meeting yes or if you don't like the feeling kind of questions, because I have some clients who be like, well, mm -hmm. I don't care or they feel in meaning. What do you want to have accomplished mm -hmm. by the end of the meeting? And if that accomplish, if one of those things is get consensus on a decision, mm -hmm. well, guess what? Half, <laughs> like statistically about half those people in the room are going to be more focused on the relationships than they are the tasks, because mm -hmm. that's just how we're wired. Now I will give the caveat that in the science, technology, engineering, finance fields, you tend to have more people who are on that task side. Um, it, but then another thing you've got to keep in mind is it, when, when you have some people who can represent that relationship side and partner with the task side, then your rollout is going to be so much more successful than if you just are always worrying about people's feelings or only just worrying about the mm -hmm. task. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the one thing I teach a lot with my clients is sometimes the people who drive you the most crazy can actually be your best ally right. in getting what you want accomplished. They likely offer something that you don't. If there's that yep. conflict there, right? What do they offer? What is their superpower? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, we've been able to explore uh, group coaching. That was, I think, a great insight for some listeners. And the entry point into this, into certain cultures that maybe stereotypically uh, hadn't been uh, welcoming it in perhaps, or that's a, or that is just a stereotype, but really useful to explore the kind of different places that this shows up in the work that you're doing, uh, leaning into helping people have hard conversations. You've really demonstrated uh, a real depth of wisdom in the field, and, and I've learned a lot, and it's just been a real pleasure uh, sharing this time with you, Jennifer. Um, if people are out there at this borderless industry, they are likely listening from anywhere in the world. Uh, how might uh, they be able to keep track of what you're doing or get in touch with you? Well, I have a, a complimentary le leadership tool I'd like to offer your audience, and it's uh, a, a series. And the, the first in the series is an article about how to get the most out of your learning resources. So those of you who are chronic podcast listeners or book readers or subscribe to Harvard Business, Business Review, whatever it might be, I'd like to invite you right now to think about when was the last time you implemented something that you heard in a training mm -hmm. or a podcast mm -hmm. and just absorbing it all is not going to bring about any change. So if you want to learn more um, at no cost to you about how you can maximize the things that you're taking in, then just text the word accelerate, A-C-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-E -E -E, to the number 411-321. And then you'll... Uh, get an immediate message and they'll take you there and you can also hit stop anytime. So don't worry about being pestered with annoying messages. <laughs> <laughs> That's texting to 44132, the word accelerate. Uh, close, but not quite. So it's 4, <laughs> 411321. 
Got to listen and write at the same time. Got it. 411-321. I am about to go back to Royal Roads University to their to do their mentor coach program starting tomorrow. I'm going to be inundated with learning resources and I'm going to do something about it. I'll be texting Fantastic. you when we get off of here. I love it. Been a pleasure, Jennifer. Thank you. Uh, you can also find Jennifer at ambitionleadership.com. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Leading with Curiosity. Please share, follow, and rate the show so that other leaders can make positive change in the world. Connect with Nate at natelesley.ca. And remember, the brain behaves very differently when encouraged to think rather than told to listen.